Uncle Laser, dude. What's your deal? My whole deal? Yeah. I'm just half What's deal. your deal? Man, you know, dude, I'm an anomaly. I, th- I think you are. I don't know. Never, had, you, never had a never had a sexually transmitted disease in my life. An anomaly. What uh, has led you to never having sexually transmitted disease? Oh man, ugly women. Ugly women no don't carry. No uh, one's. They don't have STDs. No one's having sex with them. having STDs. Am I right? <laughs> well, I yeah, I am right because I've never had an STD. I'm an ugly guy myself. There we go. Science, science explained. Can you? Uh, this this is amazing. Can we? Can you make sure that people can see your tank top? Like oh, the Cleetons Clearwater? Cleetons Clearwater Revival. Yeah, my mom had sex with the guitar player, not John <laughs> Fogarty, the other one, and I got this tank top. I think it's from, like, 84, some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a treat, Mom. She gave it to me on Christmas, stocking stuff. Thank you, Mom. Literally getting her stocking stuff got me a stocking stuffer. Uh, I have, I have, um, I come bearing gifts. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought that was a gift. You want to wear them? No, I don't. Okay, because I just feel like this is fitting, you know, like this... I feel like you would be a, a this type of sunglass. Wearer. That's the ones I wore in baseball. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oakleys in baseball. Yeah. Oakleys. Yeah. Okay. Also, you know how, but that I don't know how you go. I come bearing this, pull up some badass sunglasses, and those, those aren't those the are kids. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. Okay. You know how um, cars run on gasoline. You know your body needs fuel. I feel like your fuel is an ice cold Lone Star. There you go, my friend. Oh, and it is cold. You know I thought you were going to pull me out of backpack beer. It's going to be lukewarm. And no, it's cold, bro. Just out of my fridge. Jesus Christ. You know, That's impressive. Uh, you know how I knew it was your fuel? You are from Texas. Yeah. And look at your hair. Look yeah. at your... Hey, look at you. Fun fact. This is actually bot oil. It says Fort Worth. But I was told this is actually brewed and bottled in New York somewhere. That's what I was told. But then I just read the can. That would be a... F- that would be an absolute lie, but it's still the beer of Texas. Uh, all right. Did you ever see True Detective? Yes, the only season. Did anybody watch season two? No. Okay, thank no, God. You should. Yeah, see, season one's the best. So that when I was, you know, I was in Chicago. I didn't know what Lone Star was, but I saw Russ Cole. He would drink like six yep. of them while he, while he was in that interview, and I'm like, oh my god, that's the coolest shit ever. Yeah. Got down to Texas, and they actually sold Lone Star. Lone Star. I'm like, give me a million of them. Yep. Yep, they're delicious. I gotta catch up, uh, you know. I, mean, I remember watching. You ever seen that movie, uh, Hell or High Water, mm. by the two brothers that are bank robbers? Fuck, that's uh, amazing. One of the movie. best movies, right? In there, Jeff Bridges, when he comes back to the hotel room, he's got a fucking six pack of Shiner, and every time I see that, I instantly want a fucking Shiner. Have you had a Shiner? So, yeah, of course. Okay. So, what's your thoughts then on Shiner versus Lone Star? Because I'm well, Lone Star. No, 100%. Well, this is just a good everyday drink of beer, but like in the wintertime when it's real cold, have a dark beer like that. Like, I'm no fucking beer snob. I don't carry a fucking typewriter around. Yeah. I know what Hobbs tastes like. I'm not. Oh, you're yeah. not a beer snob, no, dude? I, I, oh, I couldn't tell by the <laughs> fucking. Yeah. Shocker. Big shocker. Yeah. This guy here is not a uh, snob. But but you'd have to, you have to mix it up from time to time. You yeah. got to go a colder beer. Or in a colder weather, you want a colder beer, which is a dark beer. Take a Shiner Bog. But I'm not going to drink a Shiner Bog out on the goddamn river on an inner tube. No. He's not going to do it. I'm going to do this. No, yeah. Lone Star. When I beat my wife, I'm drinking this. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, f- for those who don't know, uh, Uncle Laser, fantastic comedian. You fell into this uh, thing and hit the ground fucking moving, dog. Yeah. Because you've only been, um, at least when I met you, it was six months you've yeah, been doing it? Now it's what, eight months seven, now? Seven, eight months. Okay. Yeah. 
and you're already like building your craft and shit. But yeah, trying to. You know, I see. I got to be honest with you. I go to these comedy clubs. I see some of these comedians. I'm like, that's a fucking sad kind of life, you know. Yeah. And and I see you though. You got this internet success. And you got a little bit going on where you're actually having fun. You're having a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, dude, uh, I didn't start it the most traditional way from the open mics and the ground up, but I got a little bit of internet following. I've always been pretty funny, uh, but I've worked a shit in fucking job that I hated out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, that kind of taught me with having that time, taught me kind of how to roll things in. And finally, I was just like, you know what? Made all this money. Been poor, been rich, whatever, blah blah blah. I was like, I just want to do something that I fucking enjoy. Fuck this job. So I was like, fuck it, let's call in. So I'm yeah. figuring it out. It's it's different because you know, like for the past 13 years of my life, I worked a certain amount of days, had a paycheck at the end of the week. You know what I'm saying? Money coming in, money coming out. Right. Now it's like you make shows, you make money when you fucking book shows and you have good shows, sold out shows, or you get money off the internet. Like it's different avenues of money coming in. It's not consistent. It's right. like coming from all different ways. And that's kind of hard to navigate sometimes. Yeah, you don't get the safety net. You yeah, exactly. You don't have the comfortability of having something to fall back on. So that's kind of where I was like, fuck, that's a little stressful. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, fuck, you don't really need that much money to survive. When you make it, you make it. Like, you know, I, I just all man needs in life is an acre and a mule. Yeah. You know that? Yeah, well, I think it's like 40 acres and a mule. So, but okay, that's sharecropping stuff. Something. I need you to calm down. <laughs> I'm talking about an acre and a mule. So, so all laser needs is... Uh, Just something warm to poke on and a, and a, and a clean bed to sleep. <laughs> that's really all it is, my guy. <laughs> See, this is a fucking... The, the, when I met you, I think I, we were driving in my car and I was like... I was already just like asking you questions because I'm curious about your life, you know. And I was I made the mistake of being like, you know, you got this act that you put on mm. and this shit, like mm. blah blah blah, like what happens, blah blah blah. You know, and then after hanging out with you, getting drunk with you, lifting weights with you, it would be fucking impossible for you to act that much. Yeah. It's not it's not even remotely an act, no, which is which is why I love you, bro. To, but to like look, I go on to kill Tony, I go up on stage. That's my personality just amped up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm just amped. Like, Uncle Laser is a part of Tyler. That's the first time I ever said my real name on air, so click that. But, like, like I've always been wild and goofy as fuck like that. But in the comedic thing and, and on stage, like I said, adrenaline running, so it's pulsing through my veins. Like, But, like, everyday life, I'm walking around saying stupid shit, thinking those same stupid things. Gonna do. As soon as I have a couple beers in me, just look out. Yeah, yeah, watch Here out. we come. That's, I'm going to the bathroom. Again, I'm going to the bathroom, again, you know what I'm saying? The gasoline for the engine. Oh, right oh, oh, I thought, oh, dude, I thought you were about to pull out like a lunchbox, fucking a, an aluminum lunchbox of Lone Star, dude. I'd be like, where the fuck did you get that? <laughs> I got it from your old job. There it is. On the, on the oil, you want another one of these boys? Here you go. Oh, goddamn, old son. I'm not, I'm not even close to done with this. I'm not. It's like, I know, I know you're going to need it. I'm going to slam it. Uh, yeah, man. So, f f shit. Um, we caught you on stage. Me and Dylan did. Uh, and what was fucking hilarious was like, oh, I've heard this bit before. I've heard this bit, bit before. I've heard this bit before because it's like all the conversational shit that you bring up when we're when we're out drinking. Yeah. It was it was actually I thought it was just as funny, uh, if not more funny on stage. But like, it's it was it it's really like okay. So my dad. He used to, um, interesting segue here, but he would talk about shit to like my family, like at the dinner table or whatever. And then he was a sports writer. So if I went and checked out the newspaper the next day, the it had the same shit. Yeah. 
I'm like, I've already read this. Yeah. You know? So it's the same thing. When I saw you on the Vulcan, it was it was it was really interesting to just see. To that. See how you formulate it from just telling yes. it to trying to Yes, the little, cocaine dude. bit, the yeah. the what was the one? The Facebook or the no no the MySpace the bit. MySpace. That one's great. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's cause like, dude, like there's a difference like in the comedy scene, like not coming up the traditional way and doing the open mics and having all the time to really garner my fucking set together. I'll use Instagram, right? Because, like, when I'm stuck out in the middle of fucking nowhere on them oil rigs, Instagram was the only way I could, like, outsource my content to people, right? And mm-hmm. it connects you to a broader audience. So I'll use a premise that I have in my mind as a joke, and I'll say it in a one-minute reel and try to make it pop. And, and if it gets a pop or reaction, I go, okay, the there's premise, something there. There's something there. Now that's where I got to go back down and write things out. Because telling a story to you and Dylan, like – at the house, you know, like I can tell it in any which way form because we're just talking, you know. But on stage, you have to formulate it with like a setup, punch, tag. When sometimes I don't always do that, I do like storytelling more. And like I've noticed, like when I go to my shows, you know, my crowds, they enjoy the story. They enjoy the fucking, the whole facade. They, they, they want all the gruesome details. But a commie enthusiast, like, you know, fan, they want more of a setup, setup, tag, punchline, shit like that. So I'm trying to write it to like cater to not only them, but still keep my originality in my story. So I use it to kind of garner, all right, that was funny here in interaction, or hey, that was funny right here on the internet. Now let me kind of formulate it so that it's funny to a massive crowd. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? yeah, for sure, so. for sure. I mean, I, I can see your brain. You you were spinning after your after your set. You came up. You guys, what do you think? I was working on some stuff. I got. I can fix this. I can fix that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, yeah. Pretty cool to see. Like, but the shit like when we're lifting weights, and I'm like, you know, I've been slamming my dick in the wall my whole life. That's just on the moment how I'm feeling right there. That's <laughs> yeah. not written down. The cocaine and uh, or wearing a condom thing. I'm just thinking like, yeah, this protection. I need protection from my yeah, weight. yeah. The the. I'm really good at all, like the minute like those fit check videos I make when I'm in my outfits. All that is one take. That's off the top of my head, what I'm feeling when I get in that little wrestler zone. Yeah. I don't write any of that shit down. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, so, so like if you're saying, give me a fit check today, right now, what do you got? Well, look, my mom had sex with Fogarty's main man. You know what I'm saying? Because of that, I got this badass, you know, band t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? I'm just... My my converse don't even match my fucking jeans, but who cares? The hair's impeccable. You know what I'm saying? There just shit like that. Off the top of the dome. Yeah. Yeah. You better watch your mom. Hide your mom. You don't need to watch unless you want to watch. <laughs> it's gonna cost you extra. <laughs> All right, do we we do we gun this next one? We gun this. I've never drank on my show before, by the Have way. Have you not? No, no. We'll, do you guys drink on your show? It's called My Drunk Uncle's Podcast. Oh, so, well, so but the weird thing is, dude, we've had five episodes so far. Four of them have been completely sober, like like recovering addicts. So I'm like, me and Bobby are sitting there saying, hey, man, you want to be like, oh, no, we're recovering. Like, oh, 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 the guests. The guests. Oh, the shit. The guests have been like, so we had Will, Casey. And meanwhile, you guys are absolutely. We're just getting slambergered. <laughs> just getting fucking retarded. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, so it's, uh, that was pretty fun. But dude, not to plug anything here. Go plug uh, it. But this will probably, this probably won't come out until the video airs on Wednesday. But this last podcast I did um, with, with my, with mine, we had this guy named Chris Roberts. Uh, he's a he's a black dude that paints at Kill Tone. He's got the badass mohawk. Mm-hmm. He's an artist. And I had Bobby was telling me a story how he like came from North Carolina and he got sober. He's been sober for nine years. And like you know we've had comics on, but I like when we do the serious, the more serious ones. You know the people that aren't comics are not trying to make you laugh. They're just like you're just hearing the story. And me and Bobby add the little questions, a little comic relief. But dude, 
His story about how he got to Austin, he had a gun held to the back of his head one night, like, doing drugs and shit, and it was, like, a sign from God he needed to get the fuck out of where he was. And then, like, he talks about his, like, his admission to, like, recovery and still to this day going to meetings to help other people. Like, I've been, I've heard podcasts, I've been on podcasts, but that, like, it was something moving in what he was saying. Like, I got chill bumps the whole goddamn episode, and I'm just like... So, bro, like, that, uh... That exact same thing happened to me. I, I don't know if you know who Matt Fraser is. He's like the goat of CrossFit. Okay. CrossFit's the butt of everyone's joke. but at, The boys are athletes. Yeah, but at, but at the end of the day, like a lot of people in the competitive space of CrossFit, they don't care about like upholding how cool it is or not. They're just they, trying to win. Yeah. They're and they're dogs. And they, yeah. Yeah. So, so Matt uh, – like, I, I've been following his career forever because he was in Olympic weightlifting, what Dylan and I do. And um, I remember that morning when I went to go interview Matt, and I was one of the only people at this massive event that was able to interview Matt. Like, everyone wants a piece of this guy. Hey, he's and a champ. I, yeah. Everybody wants to have the title. Yeah, so, so I got him, and I remember saying to myself, like, just care. Just care about the guy across from you. Yeah. Because you always have. Yeah. So just care about what he's saying. Don't just ask him a question to hear his answer. Yeah. Like, listen. And, and th I'm like, you know, a lot of times Chris and I talk, we're, we're in the, the space of like, let me see if I can get a clip out of this guy. Yeah. Or I can get, you know, that's the, that shit works, but it also fails. Like a journalist who wants to get an answer out of you will sometimes look like a fucking well, idiot. Well, it'll piss you off. Because it's like, all right, dude, what the fuck am I doing here? But when you're personable with somebody... That's when magic happens. When when you're least least looking is when you find the most gold. So so what happened was, dude, him and I started like almost tearing up, like welling up yeah. while we were talking. Oh yeah, because I actually cared, and people were like, "Holy shit!" I didn't know that they this can life... feel it. Yeah, and so when you're with with Chris, homie, yeah, yeah, with with your with your last episode, you're like, "Whoa, there's really actually is a fucking magic here to, dude, to podcast." And it's like you feel it, like you can't explain it. But, like, getting chicken skin, getting chill bumps when a man's talking to you about his fucking personal trials, tribulations, and struggles. It's like, motherfucker, I've been there. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I've gone through that shit. And it's just, it, relatability in life is key to everything. Like, even in comedy, like, I see a lot of people, you know, they tell jokes and stuff. But, like, when I get off stage, I'm the same person. Like, the shit that I've been through, I know 80% of this country been through because they're blue-collar workers. They're, right. They're, you know, and so, like, yeah, it's funny, but goddamn, that same shit has happened to me. You know, that boy just got better hair and talks like he's got a frog in his throat. You know what I'm saying? It's just incredible. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the fucking, the, your background in oil and being a Texas boy is like, it is actually really refreshing in comedy. I love it. I think it's great. You go up there with boots, you got your, you know, you got your jackets, you got your swag. Well, dude, you, you, people lose focus. Like, like I, I attribute it back to like wrestling, like back when wrestling was wrestling. Like, these characters have some kind of like facade or mystique around them that just draws you to them. You know what I'm saying? Like if I heard some just regular guy up there telling his boss to go fuck himself, you know, but then I see a bald guy in jeans and camo, like where I'm from, you know, and I was telling his boss, like, you know, Stone Cold is giving him the Stone Cold stunt. I'm just like, that's relatable because everybody's want to tell their boss to go fuck off. But then I see it from someone that looks like me from an area that talks like me. And I'm just like, Motherfucker, you know. So I think, yeah. like in comedy, so Stone Cold was your guy. It was my guy. Yeah, that was my. I mean, shit, I worshipped him. I worshipped. What? Him. Yeah, what? Tequila, bear. Like I've even told his clip. I was like, yo, let me just, just Stone Cold stunner me through the fucking table on Kill Tony. I don't give a shit. You know. Uh, so I wanted to say this. Um, Tony Hinchcliffe might be a demon. He is the scariest. He is so scary to me. Ah. He fucking. He reminds me of Count Chocula. Dude. We <laughs> Yeah, 
Well, I tell you what, he may come off somewhere, but that or what, Waluigi or something? Or, yeah, like yeah. Uh, Waluigi or whatever, yeah, like yeah. a skinny one. Or yeah, whatever, yeah. You know? Waluigi. Yeah, Waluigi, yeah. not Wario. Waluigi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I tell you what, dude, Tony's got a fucking heart of gold. That dude does he really? He, he's a stand-up. That character. helps like, me. You gotta, you got. I'm scared of him because, like, no, no, no. He, he comes off a little intimidating. Just you know, when people got that kind of star power around him, they can come off a, a certain type of way just because. You know, they probably get stopped everywhere they go. But I'll tell you, like, dude, he's honestly one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. He's he's genuine, and if he's got your back, he's got your back. You know That's what I'm cool. saying? Like, if he likes you, he'll go to bat for you. He's He's been pivotal and shit with, you know, m- you know, me, like, making a decision and stuff like that. And just, like, you know, you're still going to bicker with any of your mentors, but, you know, just different views of things. But overall, I mean, the man's he's – he's got a heart of gold. He really does. He just looks like like he fucking hangs upside down when he sleeps. What's your what's been your experience with Rogan? Because I know you've hung with him a little bit. I don't really know him all that well, to be honest. I mean, I met him, you know, the one time on stage at Kill Tony uh, and in the green room. I mean, he's been nothing but nice to me. You know, yeah. on stage he kind of crucified me a little bit. But I mean, you know, he comes from me. He's been in it forever, and here I am, six months in. I'm already getting these opportunities I shouldn't. So he's like. If you ain't gonna fucking take it serious, what the fuck you doing? Here? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I'm saying? Yeah, it's I mean, a good I mean, guy. Never, it's a good guy he, to check the scales. He, you know, he never told me that hand, but I could just tell. You know, I know, like, you know, look, if you presented this opportunity, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it, you need to take it serious, and you need to not because then it looks bad on the genre. You not taking it serious and being the best to your ability, you know, laziness or whatever, and just trying to work off your persona alone. You need to go in there, do the fucking homework, put in the time, and, and really execute it. I think that's what they're trying to get. I think that's what all of them are kind of like looking at me like, yo. But on the other side of that, don't smother what is no, no. your magic. No, So 100%. this is the coolest thing, man. This is like, I find this balance in training, okay? Yeah. There's the be cool, calculated, understand the craft, understand everything. And then the other side of it is fucking send it, dude. Let's yeah. fucking go. You but, know? And, and when somebody is too much of one thing, they're not optimizing. And when they're too much of this, they're not optimizing. Well, and right now, I'm sure that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Like, this guy doesn't know the craft as much. But, bro, do not lose your No, you. no, no. I know. That's you got to keep that. Bro. And that's what I'm saying. That's the part, you know, coming from an unorthodox or uncondition- untraditional way of doing this and rising the way I did, I think some of them that haven't come from that, they look at it as like, what the fuck, and they don't understand it. Like, I don't understand it either. But oh God. Are we on round two? Jesus Christ, I'm getting this is brought you to you any, by. Y'all got any Pepto-Bismol? Brought to you by, you know. Brought to you by uh, Lone Star and Pepto-Bismol. And brought to you by, look at this dude's haircut. God damn, my Aunt Roxy. Shout out <laughs> In the garage. Oh, I actually filmed the whole process of her doing the mullet of me. And I'm going to put it up on my YouTube channel. I'm going to splice all the steps together and how to, how to fucking perm a mullet. With Uncle Laser. That's a fucking perm, dude. That's yeah. The back end is. A That's perm. an actual perm. The back end, the back end is. It's this funny. We're looking at ourselves up here. It's like a look at ourselves in the mirror. Yeah. Look at this luscious locks. Yeah. Turn around. I mean, run your hands here. Here. Yeah. Get get in this camera because that's where we are. Yeah. Right here. Duck down. Right there. Now. Yep. No, but yeah, it's a perm, dude. But. No, go on, like we were saying, like losing yourself. Training. Oh shit! This microphone, get that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Back to sorry. Back to you, you. I don't. I understand. Like Rogan sees you, and he's like, you know, this is a clown. Yeah, the guy's a character, right? But but I, I get it. Like like you know, you aren't something until you make it to some. To, to you, you make yourself into something. You know what I'm saying? So like, people could see it one way now, but you gotta realize. Like I've watched, I watched my shit from when I first did it, like two months ago, like 
first got into it, I watched my first 10-minute set, and I looked at the one I did the other night, Saturday, and I'm just I can see the growth. You know, and I'm my biggest critic. Like, I'm not just not relying on, like, I look back now and I cringe. I'm like, God damn, that was embarrassing. Why am I saying that, doing this? I can see the transition of you getting better. And look, it's going to take time. It's all repetition. Because, see, like, with comics, I was in music a lot, like, growing up. You know, a musician can get their fucking guitar and they can practice on their own. Or they can get their buddies and they can sit down and they can practice with the band. You can practice and hone your shit in. With a comic, I can tell myself that joke in the mirror. A hundred times. I can tell it in front of my buddies a hundred times. But until I get on stage in front of a crowd or an open mic, I cannot, I cannot execute and know where the laughs are going to come from and what's going to work and what's not. Okay. It doesn't matter. Get this. I was on a podcast telling a story, and I, they, there was a punchline to what I was saying that I didn't know existed. And every, like everyone in the podcast was laughing. laughing and I kind of like interrupted their laughter because I was like trying to finish my story. Not pausing. Yeah, dude. Tell me about that shit. Because, like, so I don't I don't remember what the story was, but I just said something. You know, I, I think it was, like, how I started YouTube or whatever. One guy, uh, uh, I got a comment on Reddit, and the guy was like, you know, the first video that I put out. I was like, hey, guys, here's my first video. Blah, blah, blah. Like, please, like, what do you think? And the guy's like, first off. Kill yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically. But he was like, first off, you're not that good looking. Second off. You know, you're not that strong. Third off, we don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, what's, you know, what's, uh, like, what are you good at? What can you tell me? What, like, why would I want to watch you? And I said, and the first thing I said back to him was like, first off, fuck you. Yeah, send a natty. And, yeah, yeah. Second off, you might be right. But when I said, first off, fuck you, when I said that, everyone in the podcast erupted with laughter. But I didn't know that that was a funny thing yeah. that I had, you know what I mean? And, and I yeah. feel like that's something that... Do, do you ever come up with on something like that? Like when you're doing something on stage and something is funny that you didn't even yeah. think was funny? So, yeah. And, and it, it, like I said, the, back to the, the rehearsing thing, like I know, okay, here's my punchline. This is going to be the funny part. When I've had instances where, and it varies from crowd to crowd. It really does. It, it, that is one different thing, like having to play into a crowd and to perform from a crowd. It can change. Literally, it can be the same venue, just a different night or two hours later, a different crowd, and it's a whole different vibe. It really is a vibe instrument. But I've said things in a joke that I, it's just a setup. It's not especially funny. And I pause just right, and it, they erupt. And then, like, I could. Did you see, know? Did you. No, this is what I, I love no, this shit. No, I love this no, shit. Okay. No. What do you, do you know off the top of your head? Can you think of any time where you're like, wait, why is that? That's supposed to be the funny part? Like any oh, bits? Because I feel like I know your bits pretty well like at this the, point. Like in the Bucky's part. Um, like whenever I would say um, uh, the bathroom part, you know what I'm saying? I, I talk about it's like oh. shitting in a small studio apartment. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just describing something. I'm just describing something. See that shit? And, I'm and, laughing and, right and, now. And, and I didn't think when, when I wrote the joke, I didn't think that was funny. I just literally was like, "Yo, it's closed off." Dude, you know why? Because okay, in Texas, people for people who are listening, uh, Bucky's is fucking ridiculous. Bro. Hey, hey, that Buc beaver got it right. So, Got it right. Bucky's is fucking ridiculous, and um, everything's amazing in there. Like it's it's a I, I can't I can't it, explain it. it. It's it, everything you'd ever want from anything. If ever. heaven if heaven has a gas station, it's that. It's that. It's just money. You can't. You, you, they've always got lines, but you never wait in line. You know what I'm saying? You go in there for gas, $400 later, you bought ponchos, pecans, jerky, sandwiches. I mean, you can't explain it. And then, you this is why your line about the bathroom being a studio apartment is funny, because everyone knows what you're talking about. 
Like at least in in the Texas audience, relatability, right? Like we didn't think. I never thought. Every time I talk about Bucky's, I'm thinking about how they got their own line of candies, pecans. All they got the fucking deli. They got all that shit. But I, I also uh, never talk about how amazing their bathrooms are. They have separate stalls. Separate stalls. Separate stalls with uh, that's fully blocked off. And and, and, and the so urinals, you, the urinals, not even not even a stall, but the urinals. Have like a brick wall between them, so you literally don't have to look at the other dude's pecker yeah. while you're pissing. Which, by the way, you have to look at the other dude's If pecker. there's no barrier, I'm going to take a game. <laughs> gotta, gotta what gotta am I up against? What am I up against? You know what I'm saying? But yeah, but dude, like going back to it, like... That, right, did you crack your... You know what, dude? I've got a stomachache. I wasn't lying about that, but I'll crack another one, dude. Can you... Okay, look. This is the problem, Laser, with your, with, with your look... You are required by the government to drink beers. No, I know. Dude, this is the thing. This is the only thing about this look that is somewhat of a downfall. Because now when I go out places, I start to get recognized a little bit, which is tight. I love that shit. I'll never not take a picture with someone or not be friendly or kind. But, dude, when I'm in bar mode and your boy's drinking, I'm ready to take over the town. You know, I'm all, I'm fucking all gas, no brakes. But, like, I'm in fucking... H-E-B, which is another <laughs> grand old place in the Lone Star State. Oh, and, and also, too, uh, the show I performed in Houston uh, two Saturdays ago, uh, the guy that started Bucky's, that owns Bucky's, his neighbors were in the crowd, like the from like from Houston. They they were in the crowd. They, they go, dude, we live right next to that guy. He's an awesome guy. He's going to love this. We're going to tell him all about it. And I, said, I said, Bucky's, go ahead and sponsor me. If you want me to wear the beaver costume at my concerts, I will do that. But... Uh, like, I was in H-E-B the other day, and, like, dude, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm buying cereal. Like, I'm, I'm getting I just, uh, Tres Leches, this Mexican cereal Dean turned me on to. I love that Mexican stuff. And I'm trying to buy cereal, and this girl comes up to me, and she's like, oh, hey, Uncle Laser, huge fan. Me and my girlfriend, we're big fans of yours. I was like, cool, I like lesbians, too. You know what I'm saying? No big deal. But, like, she's like, can we take a picture? And I said, sure. So I put my arm around her while her girlfriend's taking a picture. She's like, no, can you sign my titties? <laughs> Why we take this picture? And I said, "Ma'am, it is nine thirty in the morning at a HEB. We're in the cereal aisle. There are children here." And I said, "But yeah, I'm still gonna sign them. But have a little damn decency." You know? And she's like, "That like when I'm not in party mode, that shit catches me off guard." You know, like. And then I don't, I get off stage in Tampa the other night after my first my second show. And, you know, I, I go outside every time, and I, I line up, take pictures, sell merch, bullshit, just talk to people, just inter, intermingle. And, dude, I probably had 30 people come up to me wanting to do a bump of cocaine with me. And I said, listen here, guys. I appreciate it, but I'm going to die if I do 30 bumps. I can't. Dude, hey, I'm not you, a machine. This is what you sign up for I with know, that dude. look. And you I know, know and I'm, and I I'm going to die young because of it. But I'm ready. I'm here for it. So I was at this, uh, like, pool party with my roommate Chris, and uh, there's this dude in this band. I think I told you about this guy. Literally same look as you. Exactly. Oh, same yeah, look, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And um, I, have, I have some cigarettes. Which I, you know, guys, I'm I'm in the fitness space, but I'm enjoying cigarettes every once in a while. I I'm just to let you guys know, I don't drink very often and I don't party very often. When I do, I like to enjoy things. You know, splurged. I understand, uh, you know, balance here. Sure, sure. And I'm like, I go up to this guy. I'm like, you guys had a great show. These guys were awesome, by the way. Like, there's so much, there's so many bands in Austin that are just like, they're all just obsessed with Stevie Ray Vaughan. They're all just like, they have SRV tattoos and shit. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey man, you guys are awesome. He's like, yeah, thanks. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And, and his lead singer, he's like, his lead singer's shit faced. 
And he's like walking around. He's like, we have another gig to get to, but I don't think we're going to be able to wrangle this guy and get to that other gig. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You want a cigarette? He's like, nah, man. I'm like, look at you, dude. You want that cigarette? No, it wasn't you want one. It's like, you have, yeah. You have to. He had a fucking 1980s Miller Light shirt tucked into bell bottoms and cowboy boots with a like a faded mullet and a dangly earring, just like you. And he denied a cigarette. I was like, "Come on, man. I'm sorry, but you signed up for this shit." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. Give, Give me that cigarette." Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. I feel like at some point. You know, you could try to keep your 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 act clean, but I also think you know, having trained with you, I will say this: um, you like you do like being doing the healthy shit. Yeah, like it's like yeah. it's fun to do. Like you know, it's fun to mess around and well, look. I mean, look, why are you gonna get good looking and be all in trim if you ain't gonna try to show that off? You know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna party, have a good time, but also, dude, everything in life is balance. You know. People get addicted to shit and go out and get, you know, in that fucking party lifestyle. They forget, like, dude, I like being sober. I like having clarity. I like getting them in the morning and knocking out a two-hour workout because, honestly, like, working out is where I write most of my jokes or come up with my ideas. Like, I don't even really, I'll just get lost in the gym. I'll have what I need to do on my piece of paper. But, like, I'll even get to a point where I stop counting sets and I just am thinking of my joke. No, after my two minutes, I need to rep this and just go back into thinking. And, like, if I don't... If I don't, like, I haven't, I worked out Friday, but then I went on that mushroom retreat, and my Lord, was that special. And, uh, like, I hadn't worked out since Friday, so I'm, like, on edge. Like, I need to reset, so tomorrow morning, I'm not going to go out tonight. Tomorrow morning, get up, knock a good workout at the on it. If you'd like to join me, I'll show you guys how to power clean, and we'll go from there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but, like, I have to have that balance, because yeah. if you don't have that balance, then it fucks you up. Well, so, I like this idea of you riding while you're training, and this is something that I feel... Like maybe I'm not I'm not writing, but I think of ideas That's, for yeah. for YouTube. So like, yeah, wait, I'll be like, I'll have this thing in my head where I'm like, you know, the problem with this, this, and this is. And while I'm training, I'm literally thinking like, man, that's the problem that I see a lot. I'll remember that or I'll write that down on my phone, phone and then I'll revisit that and do a YouTube video. So it's super interesting that you actually get your inspiration from training. You do I, a lot would, of your I writing would, while, I, you're, I wouldn't, while wouldn't you're lifting? Call, I wouldn't call it inspiration. I just call it clarity. Like that's when I'm like, look, I got some, I got a task I need to do. I enjoy lifting. I enjoy getting better, making myself up there. So then I don't have to worry about the world or anything else that's going on. I just have two hours. I know I got to dedicate to this and I have time to actually lose, lose myself. Cause I mean, I've been working out. I know what I need to do on the sheet of paper. So I can just look at, oh, I got to do this. So I don't have to worry about thinking about anything. So I can just think clarity thoughts to myself. So not inspiration, but the clarity and clear mindset to focus on, uh, topic at hand it's really interesting like uh, like let's say i'm doing a heavy ass back squat when i'm squatting all i can't I, all i'm thinking about is like surviving basically yeah right because it's it's this thing is pushing you down and wants to kill you wants to squish you and you have to resist it right and there's something about that just that is provides so much clarity like you're just this is like such a uh, a small need that is the only thing you're focusing on right at this instant. The moment you rack the bar, then your mind can kind of go and like, yeah. what's going on here? And you can explore different things. That's super interesting that you say that. I never really thought about comedians. Like, I'm sure Joe Rogan does a ton of his oh, writing while yeah. he's working out I, yeah. or whatever. Sauna bath, ice bath, whatever. Just to get your mind off of what's going on. The monotonous of like, yo, I'm here. I know I need to put this work in. So let's not think about the work I got to put in and the shit I got to get through the day. Let's just make it, let's make it clarity. Let's make it fucking, let's make it promising. 
what is what is the most what's the most exciting thing that's happened to you in the past couple of weeks? Oh man, that's incredible! Uh, I mean, I won eight thousand dollars playing baccarat after one of my gigs. I went there, and got paid two thousand for the shows or whatever. And then I went to the casino and I read a book about how to play baccarat, like a 30 pages of this 200-page book. And I said, I got it. I got it. I don't even need to finish the book. I got it. So I went in there with all those Asian people because they play the baccarat. And uh, Josh Donaldson of the Yankees was there. And uh, I got to gamble with him all night. I wound up winning like eight grand just fucking. So I thought, it has nothing to do with my career, but I just thought that was a fucking yeah, you straight up- fun moment. We just absolutely raped the casinos together, and that's what I'm about. Yeah, taking down the casinos. I man. like taking down the house. I burnt my mom's house down when I was seven. I'm ready to burn anyone else's house. Down. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mom. Seven years old. How'd you burn your mom's well, house down when you? I wiped my ass. I didn't think you could catch the toilet paper on fire uh, with the shit on it, but I was wrong. That was stupid of me to think. I put it in the candle to see if it burned, and it did. It caught the curtains on fire and burned half the bathroom wall down. Mm-hmm. We got it out. You yeah, know what I'm saying. But your boy was an idiot. So shit is combustible, is what we're learning. Turns out shit's flammable. Interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Yep. So you thought as a seven-year-old. Let me light this shit on fire, see if it catches catches on catches fire. Fine. Dude, there's some weird shit when you're going through that age. Oh, all right. trust me, I know. I mean, I mean, me and my go. buddy Corp, we climbed a tree and just started peeling shingles off the roof. My dad comes yeah. out. My dad comes out. He's like, what the fuck are y'all what doing? What the fuck are you doing, dude? He was so fucking mad. And I'm like, they're just uh, shingles, daddy. And I was just like, I don't know. Yeah. I just was like, I don't know. And you have no thinking back, I'm like, dude, I would have beat my ass for yeah, something like I that. Yeah, I had no rhyme. Just, just an idiot. Yeah, and now there's a fucking leak in the house because the shingles are protecting from the water, which at, you know, whatever. We just climbed a tree and just started peeling shingles. How fucking dumb is that? That's retarded. Me and my other buddy, Rory, we were uh, just walking down the, his sidewalk. We found some chalk, and we just drew dicks with cum coming out of it. And then this little girl's like, Daddy, what's this? And then the dad tells... Rory's dad and that his dad tells mine, and then I got fucking grounded for drawing dicks. Drawing dicks with cum coming out of them, but I didn't think much about it. Big, I did, big veiny bastard. You know, I did, yeah, big veiny bastard. <laughs> I didn't. You know, this is a weird thing. Like when you're little like that, man, you just do the stupidest shit, and then when someone asks you why you do it, you're like, I really don't know. No, you're just so naive at that age. You just don't know. You just. It's not that you're trying to be a menace to society. You're just dumb. You're just dumb. So yeah, no, I, Fuck, man. What are some other dumb shit? Dumb shit things that you've done since from let's take from let's take from the ages of seven to now. Actually, one that really still haunts me to this day because my mom makes sure to bring it up anytime I'm uh anytime I bring a nice lady folk home to meet her, we'll all start drinking and she'll make this comment. When I was uh 13 years old, I stole my mom's uh Jeep Grand Cherokee. Right, I, I fucking took her keys. It's like midnight, snuck out of my house. And I drove it down to the trailer park down across tracks called the Laca Colonia, which is the El Colony in Spanish. <laughs> and uh, I went to meet this nice Mexican lady. And uh, <laughs> 13? She was, yeah, she, I think she was 16 or 17 at the time. She was older than me. Bigger gal. Uh, she made me eat fucking nacho cheese out of her belly button. It was quite the treat. But I get in there, yo, and I got no idea what the fuck I'm doing. So I'm like, I'm over there just dry humping the slit between her knee and thigh. You know what I'm saying? I just, <laughs> and I just burst a load in like a minute going in. I'm like, oh, motherfucker. And so I get back in my mama's Jeep, and I drive it down the way, and I run off into the fucking ditch, and I wreck the goddamn Jeep. And they call the law. Like, like someone drives by, and they call, and I tell them, look, I'm 13. I'm scared. I'm crying. I'm like a fucking pussy. And uh, my mom come to get me, and, you know, she's pissed off. Mad as sin. And she had to get her boyfriend to fucking take over there and get us. 
And uh, I get back in the vehicle with them, and they told my mama's Jeep, and she's like, uh, well, what'd you fucking go do? And I'm just so scared. I, went, I told her everything went on. So every time I bring a lady folk home, she goes, but boy, remember when you stole my Jeep over at Mesca's lady's house and came in 30 seconds and drove back home and wrecked our fucking Jeep, the family vehicle? So she says that all the time, embarrassed me in front of everybody. What do you think that that nice Mexican lady's doing these days? She's in prison. Yeah, her name was Mary. Yeah, she stabbed a guy, her ex-husband. She's in jail Jesus somewhere. Jesus Christ. Whatever. Yeah. Could have been you that Love was stabbed. Love of my life. Dodge that bullet. Love your life. We don't know. Right. Do you plan on having a few ex-wives in your life? Actually, or I don't even plan on getting married, to be quite frank. Yeah, but... You but plan- when I do plan on having one, no, I think just one will do. You know what I'm saying? One I'm, ex-wife will do. Just, well, probably just one wife. Oh, yeah, nice. You know That's I'm good. I'm try. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm going to go get into something... You got to make sure to try. See, I think if people settle too much, I think that's why they get divorced. Okay, so that's 13 years old. Do you got anything older than 13? Do you have like 16, 17, 18? Because I know there's some interesting shit that, Man, that I young, young Uncle Laser got into. I get fucking... I mean, man, I took... 375 milligrams of Adderall in a course of like eight hours and almost had a heart attack. How old were you? Uh, I was 21 when that happened. I remember I was playing ping pong and I realized I looked down and saw my skin was turning orange and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I freaked out. I took a jug of milk and I went and sat on the apartment roof, called my mom on my cell phone and she just talked me down like, yo, you're going to be fine, relax. What did the jug of milk have to do with anything? So when I worked in the, I worked, when I was 16, I worked in this motor shop uh, with these Mexican dudes and, uh, you know, they're all snooted to the gourds, you know what I'm saying? But they always told me if if you ever felt like you were overdosing or you felt like your heart was going too fast and you start freaking out, drink milk. The coating lining coats your inside of your stomach. And I don't know I don't know the science behind this. They I was just told, drink some leche, you know, and you're, and you're good. <laughs> drink some leche. And, and dude, I every time I've ever freaked out or thought I've done too much something or whatever, I'll just take a gallon of milk and just start drinking on it. It don't really do anything except give you a fucking stomach ache, but at least your mind's not on dying anymore. You're like, yo, I gotta get through this stomach ache. You so know, that's so, the science behind I guess, it. I guess I like I don't really know if there's science behind it, but it's worked for me. Drink some leche. Hey. If you guys are palpitating, if you got, if you had took too much pre workout, I wonder if the same thing would happen. Probably. Drink some leche and you'll start. Pre workout makes up. me shit though, dude. Instantly, it's great. It's good. I like yeah. it. I take uh, every time I get in the gym, I got to take a pre workout shit. You know about this? Yeah, I have to. I yeah. have to. It's hard to not. It's hard to well eat like it's hard to just. I poop about sixteen times a day. I drink this. <laughs> this beer is gonna fuck me up. As soon as we get out this Wait, goddamn. You actually, room. though, do you have bad stomach shit? You got man. I don't. I, I, I look. I want to say it's self-diagnosed, but I, I'm not. I, it's got to be real. Cause like, dude, I drink. I drink water, and stomach starts fucking fucking with me. So I don't know. Yeah, something wrong. That's what I'm saying. At Bucky's bathrooms, I got nice. I got a time. It is a luxury. I take an Adderall and a coffee, and I got to be within an hour's vicinity. Of a Bucky's bathroom on a road trip. Have to. I can't shit a Nexon. You're out of your mind. No. You're out of your fucking mind. God forbid a shell. Oh, God. Or a BP. Or a fucking all subs. Or a Texaco. Yeah, just, just there's trash. Or trash. fucking loves. What else we got? Uh, AutoZone. I've shit in an AutoZone before. Oh, that's probably not that bad. Good music, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and it smells like rubber. Mm. You know, like yeah, you like that car. smell probably because yeah. it reminds you back of the, being working at the shop with the Mexican. That's it, dude. who taught you to drink leche. That smelled like that smelled like oil, oil like a, like yeah. water oil. That was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But those, dude, that's where I learned to speak Spanish. On shit, man, working with them because I always they always listen to the 
the Mexican music on the radio, the the Tejano it wasn't music. From Maria from the El no, Colonia. No, no, I didn't know Spanish at that time. But like listening to all them songs, this is why like music is like I think the universal language. Because like when I was working with them boys, I was going through a breakup, and so your boy's heartbroken. Everything's making you fucking sad. You're like, what the fuck? And I hear some of these Spanish music playing, and I can tell. I don't know what he's saying. But I can feel what he's saying. I know. Nobody. You're not important to me anymore because you cheated on me, you fucking bitch. I'm like, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Aren't there lyrics? Aren't there lyrics like pretty fucking relentless? Man, I love it. I love it. So, yeah. But shout out Maria or Marie, Marie, whatever. Whatever. I don't even know her full name. Man, I live such like a middle class suburban life. Like upper middle class suburban life that it's like it's very interesting thinking about a childhood that's like. Texas as well, I, look, childhood. I won't think it, I won't call that Texas. That's poor. That's just poor white trash shit. But I mean, yeah, I mean it's fun. You, you learn different. You learn different I mean, things got, growing up when you grow up that certain type of way. I feel like if you're growing up poor, you got to grow up much faster. You get exposed to some shit you probably ain't supposed to see as a child. Like I, I've seen some shit. You know, at nine, ten years old, that people probably haven't experienced to this day. Because the adults in Just, those it, places it, are not acting yeah, properly, pro- properly, right? right? Like, like you know. So, which you know, teach their own. I mean, look, my mom did the best she could, and she did fucking great. I mean, my brother turned out good, but I mean, there's just things, you know, you go through that. Hey, you know, I probably don't want my child to go through that, but it, it didn't kill me. It made me stronger. You know what I'm saying? Like, made me have a different perspective, outlook on the world. You know, so tell me more about your mom, your relationship with your mom. I love her now. We're fucking. That's my best homie in the whole wide world. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because growing up, my mom was more my friend than my mom. You know, she let me get away with a lot of shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But like, we would bicker and argue about dumb shit. You know, and like I'm, I'm not gonna. Let, I'm, I ain't never listened to nobody in my life. I'm gonna go do what I want. You know, and that's cool to some extent. But sometimes people be laying some knowledge on you. It's good for you to shut the fuck up and heed their advice you know but as i got older i started realizing things like look my mom was just in a tight spot and she was doing the best she fucking could she always meant well and she always loved us she just you know that's where we were at in the world and as i got older i started realizing that and that's when i realized like yo my mom was a fucking homie like, dude isn't that interesting that like that that it takes you till you're about 25 to be like man mom when, dad you were right when when life starts fucking you to tears as you become an adult paying taxes having unfair shit happen to you learning that like it ain't just go to school get a fucking degree and you're set it ain't that motherfucker like when you start learning like God damn, this shit is stressful and sucks. Imagine having kids during this fucking time period. You start taking a real good appreciation to what your parents did at that time. Because I'm not addicted to drugs. I'm not by any means a failure by any sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom did her best and I turned out fine. And you start realizing, like, yo, I appreciate the shit you were trying to tell me. I appreciate the shit you was doing for me back then when I was an idiot. You know? So it's a cool dynamic to... Like, as I got, like, I still, my dad was all, me and my dad were always cool. He's straight laced, so he don't drink or do any drugs or nothing like that. I can count how many times. Oh, because you, oh, this is now, now I want to, now I know, yeah. you know where I'm going with this, yeah. right? The religious shit. Get, get me in there. I want to hear these stories, bro. Man. Fuck, get me in here. Let's go. We weren't really religious growing up. What do you mean? I thought you had to play basketball. In uh, so, the- so I'll tell you, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Me, me, myself, and my family weren't, but the neighbor kids down the street, were fundamental Baptists, which is like girls got to wear the skirts down there. They're, they're very by the Bible. They don't even watch television, shit like that. 
They don't dance to music on the radio, stuff like that, right? And there was five of them. They were all older than me, but the youngest was only like a year older than me. And so I started going to Wednesday church with them. Every Wednesday I go to church. That's when you know. That's when yeah. you know something's hairy, when you're starting to go to church on Wednesday, dog. Yeah, yeah. So we did that for a little while. And then I remember, I think I was 12, 12 or 13. It was in July. and uh, Not July. July. Uh, it was in July, and, and we, we had the summer camp. It was two weeks. It was in San Antonio, Texas. Now, for those of y'all that don't know, it's pretty hot down here in Texas, and July is the middle of the summer. We're in the hill country. It's 110 degrees. And because of this religion, we would do outside activities, but the boys couldn't wear shorts. They had to wear fucking jeans or sweatpants. So I got, fuck, I'm not going to wear, I'm not going to fucking dice somebody up on a basketball court in jeans and Wranglers. I'm just not going to do it. So I put on these sweatpants, and I'm dying. I'm like, like, yo, I'm sweating. Like, what the fuck? I'm like, what, why we got to wear this? What is going on? And they said, well, in the Bible it says, you know, not to show flesh or any, I don't really know what it says, but it says something along the lines is not to show skin, it's flesh and like stuff like that. And I said, well, look, I'm fixing to have a heat stroke and die. And I'm going to go ask Jesus himself why I got to have sweatpants on during the pickup basketball game, at the church camp in July in San Antonio. I was like, dude, that's when I started like, why you got to follow it to a T? Just how about just be a decent human being? He ain't going, I mean, what the fuck, man? Yeah, yeah, that's when it starts getting That's when I just was like, man, okay, this may not be. No, I'm still spiritual, and I'm still, you know, try to do good and be nice to everybody and do how, you know, what how I'd want to be treated. But I ain't wearing jeans outside during a pickup basketball game. I'm just not going to do it. If that means I got to burn in hell, well, I already did it in July in San Antonio. Yeah. You know? You know, like, this is, you're, you said you're, you're, you know, you try to be in, do, do right by people, and I think, just haven't hung out with you. There's something about you, and this is what I've told I've told some people. It's like, you know how when you're chirping, when your friends kind of like chirp at each other, and then they it starts to get heightened a little bit, and you can sense it. It's almost like you got that sense where like, okay, everyone's heightened right now. Let me make a fucking joke that will bring everyone back to boom. even keel. And you did it every time. I that one night I was it was me, you, Caroline, Norma Jean, your friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. Every time someone would start to get angry with you cuz you're like saying some d- dumb shit, you know, you would bring it back to like focus on how fucking funny I am or whatever. And yeah. I think I think that that is like the purest mindset ever, dude. You definitely got that. I don't know if anyone's ever told you that. That No, no one's ever really said it. Like, seriously, like you got this. It's not like, and I, I hate to think of it as like, uh, you know, this is like some clown. Like, yeah. oh, just make me laugh, clown. It's like, no, you genuinely want everyone that you're with to just be happy. To have a good time. Because, dude, being sad or mad sucks, dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, having... Being able to not take yourself so fucking seriously and making the people around you better, I think is the two keys to life. Just surround yourself with people that have that same goal oriented and make everything better and never take yourself too seriously. Yeah, right. You, yeah. I think that's how you do it. You know, or steal your mom's Jeep and have love, make love to a Mexican woman for 30 seconds. Wreck it in the fucking ditch and get grounded for three summers. You know, or you could do that. You know, whatever you want to do. I The weird thing is I'm starting to miss Maria. Or is her Maria or Mary? I think it might be Maria, but I called her Mary. You know? I miss her on your behalf. Yeah, I just hope she gets out soon. Oh, that's right. She's in prison. <laughs> Would you like another one of these, or are you Dude, still... I'm fucking topped right now. I still got to drive. I got to perform a show later. What are you doing over here? What do you got? What do you got going on? Should we go to Pete Terry's after this? Just get ignorant? No, man. <laughs> Yo, we got a 12-pack. 
How long is it? We do an hour or two hours? We'll do. We'll we'll, we'll we start at five forty-five. I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, we'll do. How was Ohio, the land of uh, tree bark Man, and gasoline? Was, yeah, <laughs> how fucking that funny was is funny, that dude. Shit, dude. Yeah, so so the best part about Ohio is um, is that when you go there, you develop you develop a resistance to chemicals because it's just filled. all the train crashes. Yep, and it's just the air is toxic and the people are scary and you just develop this good resistance. So it's it's good. It's like resistance training for for life. Okay. That's what you know, Ohio was like that for us. It was good. Well, not a little different my Ohio experience. Cause I worked out there f- uh for 2 years in the Utica up there in the Oldfield and I ain't never seen Amish people before. Oh yeah. The Amish and let me tell you something about the Amish. They're cucks. All right? And I'm, I'm, no one believes this story. All right? And I don't give a fuck what y'all believe because I had to live it and go through it, and it scared the shit out of me. And to this day, I'm still a little petrified by these people. But when I first started working up there, I used to wear my cowboy hat out to bars and stuff, but it always ended up me having to get into an argument or fight somebody because they brought a bunch of these Texas boys, Louisiana boys up to Ohio to work these oilful jobs because a lot of people up in Ohio are, are union. They're pro-union, and oil companies have problems with union and workers and shit, so they don't even intermingle. They just bring boys up from the South. So I just kind of stopped wearing my cowboy hat, but they also told me when I got out there, there was like, um, now, man, you got to be careful of these bars because you're going to be approached by some older Amish gentlemen. And I said, okay. And they said, they're going to want you to come back to the community and have sex with one of the women in the in the community to broaden the gene pool to introduce new genes and and I and I look I, I that's everybody's goddamn reaction right there but look it up it's a real fucking thing bud and so sure enough a couple months into being there <laughs> couple, couple fucking months into being there your boy got approached by a couple elders and a couple fucking haggards uh some you know haggards or whatever they come up there and you know, give me the scoop. So they pay me. I think it was like seven hundred fifty bucks, a thousand dollars, to come over one night. They'd have a sheet up on the table over the woman, so you couldn't see her. They got to watch you to completion. They watch you while you're at this station in a table or something. And, and, and bro, and, and what? Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with uh, the sheet and everything, wait, you can't see the woman. And what I can imagine is all going to be full bush. You know what I'm saying? So just a big old bush. You're tacking a tree, a little shrub in the fucking yard in the garden, <laughs> and you, you get you, you get about your business. But uh, I tell you what, uh, you know, look, at this time of my life, I was having sex for free and I was paying for sex. So someone paying me for sex is a big step in the right direction. Okay. And I ultimately thought about it. And uh, did you do it? I, I ultimately ended up not doing it. Okay. But a buddy of mine that I met up there that I was working with, he did it. And it was uh, October 29th. It was on a Tuesday. I forget what year it was. He went out to the community to go do it. And to this day, he is still a missing person. They don't know where he's at. So I don't know. Whoa. I don't know if the That's op- not where I thought this story yeah. was going. Hey, M. Night Shyamala twist right here, bud. Yeah, they don't They don't know. He had a family back home, too, in whatever part of Texas he lived in. And I don't know if they killed him because they didn't have a thousand shekels to get the greenbacks to fund him. Or if he just joined the community, got some of that wild fucking uh, Amish pussy and was just like, yo, I'm here, I'm here for it all. So I don't oh, know. like he joined. Maybe he joined. I, I can only hope. But man, I would hope he joined. My boy's still missing. So, you know. 
That is fucking wild, dog. No, that's right. Did, I'm sure. You know, this is a funny thing. Is like I could go home and beat off tonight in Utica, Ohio, or oh, was, that went was, through your mind, huh? U- Utica wasn't a place in Ohio. That was what they called the Formation Rock. Okay, well, uh, Carrollton, Ohio. Right? Okay, so I could go home to my Motel Eight <laughs> and beat off, or I could, I go, could yeah. go and fuck a sheet. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, you know, a big bush with a sheet over its head. Yeah, but you know. The search continues. Wait, explain to me. Was it the? Sh- did they explain to you yeah, so, what the formation I, was? Well, like, I, I, how does it work? Is there a sheet sh- in the wall? She is like on a table or something. They put the sheet over so you can't see her face or see anything. It's just legs and thighs or whatever. And, oh, and, it's and, like yeah, it's, it's like, like you're doing surgery. Her. It's yeah, like you're yeah, doing yeah, surgery. Yeah, I guess something like of that nature. And, but I just you know I was surgery like, on the lower half. You putting in the work, you know, and then. Then you get your ass worked and you never Is come that back home. Real? Come on! Like they're like they're over there in the Amish country, being like, "Hey, we're not, we're not. Our our gene pool's not broad well, enough. I mean, we're getting some special people well, coming I mean, out." Don't don't you think? Like, uh, I mean, I can only think if it's still a small knit community of Amish and you keep having, you know. You've seen what happens when people inbreed. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it is in the fucking Game of Thrones with the Lannisters and they're all beautiful and blonde headed. It ain't look. It ain't like that. You know, no, like it's certainly it's, not. It started like gets it gets deliverance. Type, that reminds me know? of Midsummer. Did you see that shit? Uh-uh. You see that movie? Uh-uh. Okay, yeah. That? They bring then these people, you know, to this like cult up in Sweden, and uh, they definitely want because it's this cult. It's pretty wild, man. From like the ages of zero to twelve, you do the one thing, and then twelve to something, you do something else, and then, you know, like probably eighteen to whatever, you are like you serve the community, and then this to this, you're an elder, and then this to this, you're like a super elder, and then at the end of that, when you're on the end of your like thing, like like at sixty five, they push you off a cliff. They you straight up line up, or no, you jump off a cliff and kill yourself. Like, it's better than dying of old age. Like, you, everyone has their place in this community. But this community is tightly knit. They don't talk to the outside world. And they bring in these fucking, these college kids. They bring them in. And um, they kill them. They kill all the college kids. It's like a weird culty thing or whatever. But I think they, before they kill one of them, one of them fucks one of the other women in there to broaden the gene yeah. gene pool and that's immediately what my mind went to when you th- when you said what that. is this shit called midsummer midsummer m-i-d-s-o-m-m-a-r great movie what where is it on on the netflix or where is it yeah on? it's everywhere yeah. midsummer like midsummer fucking great movie dude. I, it'll is, fuck is you it up based on a true story or is it no no it'll fuck you up though yeah, like it'll 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 wreck you for a little bit. It's one of those. Ones. Oh, I don't know, man. I've had the Amish offer me to watch me have sex, so I mean, I'm pretty in it. Yeah, I'm pretty in it. Yeah, you know, I don't think many things can mess you up these days, huh? You'd be surprised. Be surprised. I've had a couple of sexual experiences I can't say on camera that really wrecked my shit. But you can't say them on camera, or you won't. Say I can't. Legal, legal stuff. Mm. I'm kidding. I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. Oh shit. Oh, man. Uh. And the only other weird thing with the Amish that kind of freaked me out, uh, when I was driving to a rig up there, it was like dusk, the sun's going down, I'm on a dirt road, I could see the rig in the distance, I'm getting closer to it. Because a lot of them roads, a lot of the rigs are off, you know, beaten paths of a road, and it's not just a, you know, asphalt road all the way to the fucking drilling rig, you're taking dirt roads and shit, right? I remember, walk, I remember driving out there and the sun's going down and I see a family of like seven standing in the middle of the fucking road at dusk, chain-linked arms and hand, will not let me pass. 
Like I'm like almost touching them with my vehicle and they're like giving me these death stares and not moving. I thought it was some children of the corn type shit. I'm laying in It definitely mind. is, bro. It scared the living piss out of me. Finally, I got so close. I'm like running over the dad. Like, yo, let me go. Like, what the fuck? I got no cell service, no nothing. They finally broke their hands and I was able to drive through. But yeah, that scared the shit out of me. I'm just not, you know, me and the Amish, we just never really seen eye to eye. There are so many people in middle America that like people just aren't willing to understand or even like realize how much of it there is. There, it's, it's like, it's fascinating. Chris, my roommate was like, he's, he's like, yeah, Dr. Phil wants to have me on. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea how big of a deal that is. And the reason why you don't know that is because you're on YouTube doing really well and you're on, you're doing your podcast really well, but Dr. Phil represents middle America that has TVs that is Daytime plugged into fucking show. cable. Yeah. You are going to reach people that you would never in a million years fucking reach because you're going on Dr. Phil. And I was like, this is crazy, bro. No. This is another window that I, th- that I think people don't realize. Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of people in the middle. Bible belt stuff. Bible thumping people. You know. And that's what I'm saying like with the comedy stuff too. Like. I'm trying to reach an audience and resonate with an audience that, you know, this is a perfect example. When I was in Phoenix, uh, not this Saturday, not this past Saturday, but the one before, I, got, I had a show on Wednesday and I sold it out. And then we go down to a bar. Afterwards, a lot of the fans come down there with shit and they're bullshitting. And I was like, I asked them, I said, I said, hey, man, let me ask you all something. I said, I said it wasn't a Wednesday night and say it was like a Friday or Saturday. It's some headliner that's in town you don't know. It's just a comedy show you want to go out get a few laughs at a comedy show. I said, what percentage of y'all would actually go to that? And most of them are like, none of us. We'd probably just be getting fucked up in a garage or at a bar or something. And I'm like, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm, I'm appealing to a niche of people that necessarily aren't comedy enthusiasts. You know what I'm saying? They're they're just people that, w- working class, people that love to laugh, but they're not going to go out and see a comedy show on a Friday and Saturday list as someone else. So I'm like, because I've performed at some shows where they're not my shows and I don't get as big as a pop. But when they're there to see me and I can storytell and elaborate, I get that, that genuine pop. And I'm yeah. just like, man, I mean, we're just doing it different doesn't always mean you're doing it wrong. You know what I'm saying? That's, a, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't even really think about that yeah. at all for you. And, and oh man, comedy is one of those things. It's very gatekept. I feel like it really is. But at do. the same time, I feel like it's the last expression of real, true freedom of speech. You know, like you obviously there's shit you can't say. You can't just be a dick and say a bunch of racist or anti, you know, anti slur shit. You can't do that because that's just now you're just being an asshole. You know, yeah. but there is things you can get off your mind and express in a way that like I'm saying in a joke. You know, but this got seriousness to it. But it's like yo, fuck you if you don't agree with me on that. You know what I'm saying? Because like that happened in my life. That's like, my experience. You know what I'm saying? Whether I say it right to you, as long as I'm not just like directly offending someone and being an absolute dickhead. Like who's you? Who are you to tell me I can't say that or I can't say that this is what happened and this is my experience? What's wild know? is sometimes though being a dickhead is funny. Like Hinchcliffe is a dick to people on stage, and it's fucking God, hilarious. He's, he's so man. good at it. He's one of the best roasters. Him and David Luca both. They're they, when they roast each other together, their shit's magic. But yeah, dude, I will say Hinchcliffe got the best like hour. His hour. Like if you go see him at his show, he's got top three in the world right now. I'll put of him up his there hour. With it, of his hour. I think his shit is brilliant. What I, about Mark Normand? I think he, God, he's so good. I Mark actually no- saw him and Gillis the other night, and uh, uh, I mean, yeah. But Tony's very, like, he's a genius in his own right. But the way he moves through things and the fact that he can, like, at any, like, on the New Year's Eve show when he had there, I did 10 minutes at the very front of it. And then Tony got up there and did his thing. 
And I told him my mom was coming. I told him I got tickets for my mom to, to show up there and, and hang out. And uh, he's, like, looking out in the crowd, and he's just fucking with this older lady. And he's like, yeah, you look like Uncle Lazer. You'd be Uncle Lazer's mom. And it was my mom. Oh, no. It was my mom. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, that was not planned. Like, he just picked some woman out of the crowd. And Man, like, when we watched him on your show, he pointed out these dudes in the front row. And he's like, let me guess. Some of you motherfuckers are from Pflugerville, and you drove here in your, yeah. your F-250 yeah. Lariat. Uh, what's a King Ranch lariat? Let me guess. Is that true? And they're all like smiling, like yeah, yeah. They have the, they like, oh, vest we, on. Yeah, we they got a, yeah. we got a chance to get away from the ladies and experience some real racist comics right now tonight. <laughs> and these guys were like, he was nailing spot it, on, spot dude. on. Yeah. The thing is, man, if you're front row at Tony Hinchcliffe, you better laugh, you better be attentive, you better, you better have a sense of humor. If you're not, man, he's gonna kill you. Yeah. I'm frightened of that guy. Yeah, he's a savage, bro. Good, but straight up, like I say, good fucking dude, but. That motherfucker's a savage when it comes. But he's been in it for it, dude. He was like 15 years, you know, in it. And like was a fucking door guy at the comedy store in L.A. Like he's paid his dudes, cut his teeth, been in the circuit. And like now he's like one of the best comics in the world. So, I mean, like he's got the best live podcast in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like his format of that podcast, it's incredible. I mean, the dude, half a million people watch that show every Monday. What are you, what are you working on? Like big, big picture shit. Like, are you working on an hour? Do you have an hour? No, I do not have an hour. No, are you I, working I, on I, an I, hour? Yeah, yeah, always, always. I mean, about three months ago, I headlined Houston for my very first show, and I realized I only have 15 actual minutes that I feel comfortable with, and the rest I'm gonna have to bullshit. And so, in Phoenix, I did 30, and I got through about. 22 to 24 minutes in there and I was just slamming it. it was all the shit I'd written down all the material I'd worked on before and then I jumped into a couple new jokes I still got you know some good and then at the very end there's about three minutes of staleness where else you could still I ain't really said it on stage and really worked that out so I don't say I have 30 I have a tight 20 you know but like even then there's things in there I know I could go back on and improve you know what I'm saying but when these clubs come calling and want you to headline do that you need an hour so what I like to do is I like look I'm gonna bring like a couple of my homies let them do 15, 20, and I'll fill in the 20 to 30, you know, see that. But I've got – just because I don't want to get up there and give somebody 50% of something that ain't ready. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'd rather give you what I know I got, what I know is good, what I know works, and, and then bring a couple of my buddies along who I think are genuinely funny that will resonate with my crowd of people and have a good time so you still get a good common experience. But, no, I do not. Long-term girl, yeah, I get an hour. But honestly, dude, I, I'm, my podcast shit's starting to take off a little bit, you yeah. know, and I, I like the podcasting aspect of it. I like being in front of a camera more so than in front of a crowd because in front of a camera, I don't feel any pressure, and I can just be authentic and, like, do off-the-cuff shit. And, like, I kind of want to get into, like, I don't read that well, though, so reading scripts can be pretty hard. But if I have someone telling it to me, I hear, I got you, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to do, like, short films and movies and shit like that. I want to start taking some acting classes and fucking just figure it the fuck out. I just want to – I literally want to put my wiener in everything without getting an STD. I want to put my foot through every door I can and just see what sticks. Yeah, put your wiener in everything. That's great. That's a great little That's thing. not a – I wouldn't live by that. I would not live by that. All right, man. I think we're going to wrap it up there. On the wiener one? You're going to yeah, kill I'm me on the, on the wiener. wiener. We're going to end it on the wiener one. Put your wiener in everything Literally with Uncle everything. Laser. Drywall. Uncle Laser on TikTok. Uncle Laser on Instagram. YouTube is where we're kicking off. Got 10,000. Finally, I can start getting monetized by them. 
So that's cool. Uncle Laser on YouTube. You, have, you, you got what, 100,000? 200. Yeah, I just hit 200. How does a man, tell me your secrets about bro, the YouTube, this bro. this is no secret here. It's this a short? Seven years of one, at least one video per week. I never had a big explosion. You're one of those guys, man. You had, you, you're so eclectic. You're so interesting. You can have a big boom, you know? I didn't have one of those. Working for it. Just working, man. It took a long, long time. And now, what I want to do is, like like you're saying, is put my wiener in things that like will get me, you know, will 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 get me over this, you know, like I want to be able to do something funny and and work with guys like you, like dude. Where I started was this is how you do the snatch and the clean and jerk. You yeah. don't even know what those are really. Uh -uh. No, and so here I am now, interviewing a fucking comedian, oh, and an Austin comedian who's killing it. Like yeah. that—that's where I want to go. That's my future. Fuck you know, that's yeah, what I'm looking for. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to say, man? Like to the camera, you know, like some words of truth, because like they need it right now. Hey, Everyone, man, needs look, get your cat spayed and neutered. It's pretty simple. We got too many homeless people running around. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that uh, and just be kind, be friendly, meet every day and every person with a handshake, smile, or a hug, and life's just gonna be that much better. So look at that haircut. It's spectacular, I know. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybelline, go ahead and sponsor me, dude.